government, no political system has ultimate supremacy. Jesus is King of Kings, and it's about time our nation returned in humble submission to his lordship. You are not protecting women. You are authorizing the destruction of 500,000 little women every year. I didn't start it. Sir, sir, with all due respect, that's the argument of a five-year-old. I didn't start it. Right, when the spirit comes upon people, they go to war, they go to battle, and the enemies of God are driven back and they're slaughtered. You are listening to Cross Politic with Gabe Wrench, the Water Boy, Pastor Toby Sumter, and the Chocolate Knox. Woo! I gotta do it. I gotta do it. I gotta do it. You don't get to hoot. I get to hoot and holler. Yes. Wow. Yes. Live in Rapid City. Listen to this rowdy bunch out here. Yes. Y'all my kind of people. I love it. It's great to be here. Yes. So live in Rapid City at our rally. Knox doesn't like it when I hoot and holler. No, you don't You're get supposed to hoot and holler for yourself. It's a Texas thing. I'm not hooting and hollering for myself. <laughs> it's Texas. Deep in the heart of Texas. Come on, Steve, man. I invited you here, man. <laughs> Come on now. Just, just keeping it real, man. Just keeping it real. <laughs> well, it's good to be with you guys. Of course, you guys know Chuck Knox, Pastor Toby, I'm the water boy, and Steve Dace joins us live on stage. Yes. And how this show is going to go, we're actually going to bring out one new guest at a time about every five to seven minutes. And so this is going to be a fast-paced show. Guys from the network, on the network, and the yeah. Sheriff Wheeler. We yeah. kind of call this like a Royal Rumble show. So it's going to get a little rowdy in here. So Try and keep up. But y'all, y'all are ready for the it's not like It's not like anything we usually do. <laughs> <laughs> we're super unique <laughs> in Rapid City. Like, so the... Topic of the conference, Love God, the rally. I can't say conference. Love God, sing psalms, defy tyrants. The reason, obviously, I, you know, I was talking to a guy earlier today, and I said, man, if we would have picked this topic three years ago, no, no one would have come. It'd been, you know, what, what, are you, what are you talking about? Yeah, why do that? Yeah, yeah why, why do that? Been, defy tyrants would have been a little harsh. You know, would have sounded really harsh. And even when, I picked the, when we picked the topic back in January, I was like, man, guys, that, that definitely is kind of pretty heavy, defy tyrants. Yeah. And uh, so I think, you know, listening to Sheriff Wheeler and, and listening to, to Pastor Wilson and, and Nate's talk um, and, and even Joe Boot and, and just thinking through the theology of, of the moment that we're in. I mean, uh, Sheriff, uh, Sheriff Wheeler's talk alone was worth it for me. For Absolutely. Yeah, everybody needs a sheriff like that. The, the, the price tag was, was right there all wrapped up in one. And I was thinking, man, if we had Sheriff Wheeler in our county the damage we could be doing in Moscow, Idaho, and Latah County, huh? Well, and it's interesting, yeah. too. Like, I don't think anybody ever, I, no one goes around and says, I can't wait to a, go to a conference where there's a sheriff talking. But because of the situation that we're in right now, it's like, but who's, who's the sheriff? Can we get one? Can come on, come talk to us, please? We need some help here. And it's because of what's been pushing in on us. Did you hear what he said? He said that the sheriff is more powerful than the state governor more, more powerful than the president. And, 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 and that was by design. He had, the jurisdiction that he was given uh, in, our, in our country's setup, um, and, and you've never heard that before. Right. Yeah. Right. right? I mean, have you? 
right? And, and so, I mean, why, why, are we in a, why are we in this position? Well, because we, we, apparently, even those of us who didn't go to government schools basically went to government schools. Ooh. Ooh. Bars. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I love you, Mom. She, she, she taught me at home, and we did a Becca history. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Becca history never told me that the county sheriff was more powerful governmental position than all the others. Well, you weren't that good of a student either. But. That's true. <laughs> also, by the way, Gabe, I wasn't born in Alaska. No! <laughs> Where were you born? I just want to point out, this is actually the second time Gabe's done this. I'm not surprised. There'll I've be actually corrected too. you before. Correct me again. Yeah. I wasn't born in Alaska. Where were you born? Portland, Oregon. Give me that bad coffee back. <laughs> but sheriffs, I mean, that, that's, that's huge. And yeah, absolutely, the contrast, I've been writing our sheriff, who's a professing Christian, Laytaw County, I've been writing him since the get-go of this. He's friendly, he's willing to meet with me, and he's not willing to do anything. Yeah. Right? I mean, you saw the letters that Wheeler's been writing. Yeah. I mean, that... Well, and the chains he puts around his cars to pull gates down. Yeah, that's what, that was really what you were impressed about. That, that was like... He pulls gates down. I'm like, I got some gates he can pull down in Moscow, too, if you want to... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he knows that uh, Laytaw County's outside his jurisdiction. He's, he's smart. But does anybody <laughs> care about jurisdictions anymore? Let's be honest. We need to. We need to. No. But before, Sheriff Wheel's going to come out here in about five minutes. So every five minutes, we're going to have another person coming out. You'll hear a little sound, something like this. And somebody's gonna come out. Ooh, ow. Um, and, but I want to talk about love God, sing psalms, defy tyrants, the whole purpose of the conference, the, the idea of loving God. One of the things that, it, oh, he's coming out now. Well, come on out, Sheriff. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Come on, come on, on in. Sit right here. Let's sit right next to us. One of the things that uh, Pastor Doug Wilson was talking about and, and that we've had him on the show to talk about a few times is what do you do in a situation where you're getting restricted? And he's, one of the things he says is you find the area where they tell you not to go or one of the things you can't do right. and you push directly in that area. And one of the things that's been attacked is worship. Right. That area of loving God, that area right there has been under a massive attack. And so the first thing that we need to be doing is just... The things we should have been doing before, going to church, mm -hmm. serving God, having communion every week, not quarterly, right? Because here's one of the things that I've noticed with, with, with thank you, I'll give myself an organ in a second here. Um, <laughs> one of the things I've noticed is that if you haven't been having communion every week, then it makes it really easy all of a sudden to be in this situation where you don't feel like you need it anyway. You've been going a whole year without communion. So you've yeah. already, in one sense or another, been under a form of church discipline and not even known it. Well, it, it, it's, a certain it's, it's amazing which, that God has made the bar so low for Christians to be Christians. Yeah, right. It, I mean, like we, I started off the conference talking about this on Thursday night. The bar is so low. Uh, you know, God gave us a viral, you know, particle. Flicked us with a, you know, flicked us with a viral particle, and we stopped going to church. Yeah. It was easy. It was easy to, for Christians to stop going to church. This isn't like. I think it's Paul's I think it's, persecution and acts. I think it's because they weren't going to church already. That's oh, my point. man. I think they were already doing Zoom TV church. Come on now. I mean, they might have gone into buildings, but then they just watched preachers on screens and worship bands on screens. Right. And they've been doing TV church already. That was ridiculous. They're, 
they're not miss, they're not missing anything, right? Yeah. And that, I mean, I think that and that's just happened, and there's been virtually no pushback. I think I think to go back to the communion thing too. I think there's a sense in which you know there's a certain point at which when you're starving, you don't feel hungry anymore. And then they take the food away. You know, it's like you can't have food. And they're like, well, it's not too bad. Yeah, I've been this way already. And this, is, this has showed us a lot just about what, what courage has meant to the church and what courage has meant to leadership, where um, to be a Christian right now doesn't take very much courage, or to be a faithful Christian doesn't take very much courage. I, I, think, I think I disagree. Do you? You're wrong. Um, You're wrong. But it's, it's <laughs> the, the, the bar... The bar is low. Looks like the bar is low. To be courageous but, is so low. But it's 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 easier here in this room. But a bunch of these people are going to go home to places where they're the only ones. That's right. Or yeah. it feels like they're the only ones. Right. That does take courage. Yeah. Now it's I, I agree with you. The bar is in a sense low. It's like go to church. Right. Like you got, you know, go to church. Um, but that takes courage. Yeah. Or what if you're the, you know, you're the only one in the church that doesn't wear a mask? You know, or wh- whatever it is. Yeah. It's like um, you're the only one that goes in the grocery store without the mask. Right? right? There you, and, you know, right? Yeah. yeah. And I, yeah. I, we, well, because you're sheriff. Yeah. <laughs> apparently, <laughs> who's, apparently yeah, who's gonna tell the, you to the put county coroner is the only one that can do anything about you. Well, that's <laughs> true. Yeah. And so that, that actually, I vote my friend in every time a county coroner positions up. I write in Deacon James. He's just my buddy. I would just he's write ne- in. He's never been elected. He's never won. I've never, I've always gone on election campaigns for him to you be know, county coroner. He doesn't live in the state anymore. No, he doesn't. So I, does that, does that matter? No. Hey, Sheriff Wheeler, I wanted to ask you a question. Listen to your talk. Um, I've been, I think we talked a little bit about this before. I've been really intrigued by, um, a lot of conservatives who have been fighting against the critical race theory and social justice movement, and uh, they have been really backing the blue. They are so gung-ho for backing the blue, backing the blue. And I've stopped for a second and want to ask the question, is the blue backing us, though? Because when a mom can take her kids to a park to go play outside and then get arrested, I'm asking the question all of a sudden, look, I, look my sheriff... Even though I I'm have some disagreements with him, he's got my steel. If he ever says, I need some help, I'm there with him, right? But I don't feel like he's going to always be there for us in that same sense. How, how, so there's this line that officers are not crossing when it comes to righteousness. They kind of stop a little short. That lady should have never been arrested. Matter of fact, I believe her husband was on the police force as well. That's true. Was. Yeah, he was. Was. And, and so... I, to be honest, if that was me and my wife, y'all catching a brick. <laughs> Where the devil at? <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? So, so what's it going to take to get officers? Uh, oh, John Brandon's coming out of here. All right. Hey! He didn't even wait for the music. <laughs> Leave it to the comedian. <laughs> get on out here, John. There you go. Um, I, I want you, John next to me. Okay. I don't want to interrupt. Okay. <laughs> but seriously, what's it going to take for officers to start standing up and breaking that line and say, okay, I, I swore oath to the Constitution, right? And I'm going to defend Dogs, it. It comes from the top. I, I was just speaking to someone a few minutes ago. It comes from the top. The leadership sets the standards for the agency. If the leader is constitutional, if he's a righteous man or woman leading that organization, that flows down. And you, what you can't, you cannot fix something like that just overnight. When I talk about you need to elect good city council members, because you know 
that and where that occurred. I don't was it Meridian or I don't remember it, exactly. It was yeah. Yeah, Southern Idaho. Southern, yeah. But it was a police department and they are obedient to the chief of police and the city council and they set the priorities for that city. If you have godly men and women sitting on that council, they're going to direct the police chief and the police officers to do the right thing. And so, in that case, you don't have that in its place. Here's another thing that happened in that moment that really drove me nuts. That lady went out and gave an apology publicly for what she did, and her husband wasn't standing there with her. Mm -mm, right? I didn't understand that for nothing. Yeah. First of all, y'all arrest my wife. Y'all should apologize to her. And then if we're going to make an apology, first of all, we're not going to make an apology. It's a park that my kids get to go to that the least likely to ever catch the virus out there, right? Why, why would she be getting arrested for taking the kids to the park? So I guess ultimately the real question is how do we encourage a godly form of peer pressure to, to those? Because it's not just the virus. It's not just – it's – go ahead, Steve. I, I think the answer to your question is, is painful. Thanks. Um, and <laughs> – what we have right now, in fact, let me give you a historical analogy. The, the point of, of, the, of the military buildup in the 1980s, from a strategy standpoint, was we didn't build a bunch of missiles because we thought a nuclear war was winnable, but because we understood that it was not. And over in the Kremlin, you had some people that are beginning with a different viewpoint from a worldview standpoint. They're starting from a different premise than we are in Western civilization. And we're not so sure with their perceived military advantage that they don't also understand you cannot win a nuclear war. And so what we had to do was create a deterrent, mutually assured destruction, mm. that ultimately <clears throat> you will not step to me because I can step right back to you. Mm. And the cost of us stepping to each other, there's no winner here. Like the movie War Games, the only way to win the game is not to play. So what does that have to do with this conversation? Malicious. What, what, yes. <laughs> Very strong malicious. What, what, what we have going on right now in our culture is the spirit of the age is permitted to do whatever it wants to you, anytime that it wants, and it does not fear the blowback at all. The only blowback it receives is um, Democrats lose the next election usually, almost never because of anything Republicans affirmatively did, but because of the blowback for what they went too far in doing. Mm. And then they know when the other party gets in power, they will not punitively punish them. And so the rules of engagement are, we can do whatever we want to you. You can't do anything back to us. If you want this to change, there's only two ways out of this. One, revival. Short of revival then there must be punitive damages to be paid for daring to step to us. Mm. That there must be a price to be paid. Your share price plummets. You lose your job. We our, when, we elect, when we elect legislators that come for our votes, your tax credits are gone. Um, we no longer protect you from the Democrat Party and regulations or anything of that nature. All of those things are removed. You, are, you, you want to be one with the system. You want no distinction anymore. So be it. You may have your way. Mm, Romans unless, won them. Unless those sorts of blowbacks are put back into place in the culture, unless there is a punitive penalty to pay for insulting you, abusing you, 
It's going to continue. I was raised by a bully, and I can tell you this. There is only one language, every bully that's ever existed on this earth, from Goliath in the Valley of Elah to the little Karens in your cul-de-sac now. Mm. The only language they have ever understood is the sight, smell, taste of their own blood, metaphorically speaking, of course. Mm. That's the only <laughs> language they understand. Mm. Tony, there's only one representative Tony for, the patriarchy. for the Patriarchy Podcast here. Hello. Sheriff Wheeler, did you want to jump in on that? Sure. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you, but you know, our, our country has deteriorated so much and so bad that there's no way we're going to turn this on its head overnight. Right. And what we're doing here is the start, and it's got to go from community to community to community. It has to start in the family. It has to go from there to the church, from there to the city and county government, Amen. from there to county to state government, and then to our elected officials. We've got to start demanding people to, to obey the Constitution, obey God's law, and act righteously. And if we don't demand it, we're going to continue be, to get the same thing. I, 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 go ahead. I, I think it's important of the next part of this, which is we've got the love God part, which is set, a Christ, set apart Christ in your heart. And then we have the singing Psalms part, which is our weaponry in doing just that very thing. Right. I think, and I think it, it ties into, I think, uh, Steve's answer to one of the questions during the Q&A where, uh, you know, what, what do we do? And you, you gave the Vince Lombardi uh, example, we've got to get back to basics. We need to, you need, you know, before you do anything in LA, uh, do you have a, a home? Do you have a safe space? Uh -huh. Do you have, do you have a community? He said family. And, that was the and, first and, thing. Yeah, family. Fam family. And I think, a but community that's a, that can back you up. But I, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's my point. It's not just of, a community. But, yeah. but to Steve's point, so make them pay only works if you have coordinated effort. That's you, right. So there's no, you, there's no, um, there's no withstanding. And, and that's the thing is God's way is always the best way. There's a reason why he's established these governments in the world. The family and the church are divine. They're, they're, um, they stand equal with the state. That's right. That's okay. right. It's it's you saw the, the the pictures that Joe Boot put on the screen of, of the various you know wrong distortions of sphere sovereignty where you have you know sort of the church over the whole thing like the medievals had um, or the state over the whole thing like we're living in now and you know various you know sort of uh, uh, tribalism is basically the family feudal systems over, yeah, yeah. Um, but God has established established those three independent governments. And they speak to one another as peers. That's right. Families speak to church and state as a peer government. It's, it's, it's not like Arizona and New Mexico and Montana come to a, a meeting in which Montana calls all the shots. They're, they're independent states. Arizona can't tell Montana what to do. Now, there might be things that mutually concern them that they've got to work out. But it's the same thing. The government of the family, the government of the church, and the government of the state are three independent governmental institutions established directly by Jesus Christ. Yeah. Okay? Now, those, the reason we have a bloated, overreaching, tyrannical government is because churches and families have not been what they were called to be. Mm. That's, that's the deal. You can start a little early on that. Those, but those, but those are the places where, if it, you know, it's two to one, right? Families and churches against the state. 
Right. Yeah. right? We, ha- we should be telling the state where to go, where to sit, what to do. So, Steve, when you explained to that young man in L.A. about setting up a place where it's safe, uh, I can tell you in my county that people are moving in the county because they feel it's safe. And I have people coming up to me uh, weekly and say, you know what, I don't want to leave Bonner County because if I leave, I don't think, I don't feel like I'm safe right. because there's no one to protect our, our, our God-given rights to be able to be free of all of these masks and all these laws that are just run by a tyrant who's our governor. And I'm, that's, not, that's my outside voice. I've called him a tyrant. I've called him it. So um, I won't get a Christmas card next year either, okay? <laughs> I think we all need to send Wheeler a Christmas card. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> hey! Keith Darrell! There we go. You're on. Hey, y'all just jump in here anywhere just you feel. Just go. Feeling. What do you got to say? <laughs> I was back on the spot. To talk about something else. <laughs> no, one back, no one backstage knew who James Brown was. So, <laughs> man, you had yeah. I didn't say that. I I'm not included in that. <laughs> I, uh, so the him. first song that came on was James Brown. Ian's like, is that James Brown? So he did not know Living in America was James Brown. So mm, he never oh. watched Rocky. Apparently not. Okay. <laughs> Where do you hire these people from? I mean. I don't know. Um, I want to talk a little bit about singing psalms, though, and the power in singing psalms. One of the things that I noticed, I, I, I think it was James Jordan that pointed, that pointed this out for me, is that psalms and singing psalms are the war songs of the church. And one of the things that I've noticed is that if, if, God, if I'm <laughs> in battle, I don't have any songs to sing that are war songs. What, what, are the, what songs am I going to sing that are war songs right now if I go to evangelicalism? How many of you, I'm just curious, I'm, I'm going to answer your question, yeah. but how many of you out there who maybe haven't sung psalms regularly have sung more about enemies this weekend in, than you can remember? <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's huge. Do you have enemies? We do now. Right? I mean, <laughs> I mean it's, it's like, but that's the point. It's like, yeah. you know, there, God gave us a whole book of songs, and, and like, it's, it's like, you know, it's the silliest thing in the world, but you're, you're like, you know, we're going to go to church and we're going to worship God. I wonder what we should sing. Yeah. To further the point that you're raising there, I can't tell you how many times in the last year I have been asked about Romans 13. Yep. How many, I've given several presentations about it. Uh, we've put out videos about it. We've done shows about it. And then, you know, as our show continues to grow in the last year, we get more and more people, new believers come. And so you want to talk about, you know, war chants. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of our people don't understand what Romans 13 means. They, they think it means do whatever government says. And I always reply back with, then, then why did Nero cut Paul's head off then if he did everything that he said? Come on now. Okay. Yeah. Come on. I mean, why was, why was Peter crucified upside down if he did everything that they said? Yeah. I mean, why, why, I mean, what was John thrown in a vat of acid for if he just did everything that they That's said? That's right. When they over over the head of Christ, I mean, we understand, we understand now on the other side of salvation the real truth and drama behind Christ's crucifixion. But in the in the finite, unregenerated Roman mind, he is being executed uh, as an enemy of the state for sedition. That's, That's right. what it says That's right. over the top of his 
uh, over the top of, of, the, of, of the cross, yeah. king of the Jews. Right. The idea that you threaten the th- Roman authority. Now, he did do that, just not necessarily in the way that they understood. That's right. right? Yep. But this whole thing, I cannot tell you how many believers, and including people from Reformed traditions, are taught that Romans 13 means you do whatever the state tells you to do. You're completely compliant. You're malleable. You're, um, you're a plebeian. And I have had to answer that question over the course of the last year, yeah. perhaps more than any other when it comes to the intersection between COVID stand and theology. The thing that bothers me the most about that, though, is that they don't ever hold the government to Romans 13. Right, like that—that's the problem. Like, I'm with you. Okay, Romans 13. Well, they, don't, they don't have to be a minister of God's justice. You just have to do whatever the Sam Hill they tell you to do. When they're not now. doing that. Come on now. Yes, so absolutely. I'm with. Yeah. Let's call Romans 13. Yeah. We just saw them break a whole lot of Romans 13. As deacon of God, they have a standard by which they're supposed to follow, and that's what John gets into as well. When John was killed, it was because he said you have to follow God's standard. It is not lawful mm-hmm. for you to have her. What standard is he holding him to? Do you think John the Baptist knew about the two kingdoms? <laughs> he didn't care anything about two kingdoms. He knew one kingdom. Yeah, he knew one it. kingdom. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that I think we've forgotten about this. In the whole, there's an objective standard that exists in the world. And even though the world might not want to acknowledge it, we're Christians. We acknowledge that standard. And they, we remind people that Jesus is king of the world, and they need to submit to that standard. The, come, you can clap for him. That's yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Praise God. In the, in the Q&A uh, yesterday with uh, Pastor Doug and, and uh, President Merkel, um, one of the questions had to do with for the First Peter 2 passage. And um, one of the things I was thinking about there, because that's the other text. So it's Romans 13 and it's First Peter 2 would be the ones that everybody goes to. But you've got to keep reading. He, he gives the example of Christ, the example of the, the slaves. First of all, we're not slaves. Come on now. Amen. You're going to use that slavery passage. Hold on. I'm a free man. That's right. Don't, you know. Amen. Get me stirred up. Stop talking about but, freedom. But, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Marcus is here. Marcus! <laughs> Marcus is married. Praise God. Uh-huh. 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 How's it going, everybody? It's going great, Marcus. This is but great. I just want to let people know that you can get amazing lore shirts at the booth out right out there. Really? Right out there. Uh, yeah. Wow. So just wanted to let you guys know. I just want to point out, though. I just want to point out. Keep reading in First Peter. Chapter 3. Wives, submit to your husbands, even the ones that do not obey the word of God, so that by, without a word, some of them might be won over. Just hold all that together. Yeah. I want to know the same people that are going up doing your Romans 13, up and down, Romans 13, Romans 13. I want to know, yeah, so how you feel about a wife with a husband who's abusive? You going to hold the same line? Obey, 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 no matter what, no matter what, no matter what, because it says in the same text, it says to submit to tyrannical rulers, and it says slaves submit to masters, even the ones that are abusive. And then it says, wives, submit to your husbands, even the ones that don't obey the word. Right? Mm. And suddenly they're like, well, no, 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 no. Or what about a pastor who's abusing his authority? Spiritual abuse, spiritual abuse. Me too, me too. And then suddenly the authority of the state comes in and they say, no, lay down and take it. Right? That's how you know which one, you know, where the God of the system is. Can we take Romans 13 to, uh, 
to a, another extent, though? Because I love what you just said. I mean, suppose I go home and tell Amy, you know what, I think we should turn Breaking Bad into our own personal dra- docudrama. Um, should she submit to me as we build our meth-selling enterprise? Is, is that what, what that means? But who are the rulers here? You said you wanted me to stand up. Here we go. Oh, here we All go. Right. All right. Okay, that's my goal. Let's go. Who, who are the rulers here? In this country, who are the rulers? We are. We are. We, we, are. we are. I don't think that's because, any better, though. What's that? I was, I was kidding. We're, we're such a bad culture it's right true. now. I'm yes. like, it's not any better. <laughs> but the Constitution begins with the words what? We the, people. we the people. So what existed before the social compact? We. We, the people did. Okay? They're supposed to submit to us. Therefore, if you're going to ad- ac- accurately apply Romans 13 in the context of the culture in which we live, the system is supposed to submit to us. Right. That's why we don't need permission from it to give an opinion. That's why Congress will make no law abridging the freedom of speech, the free freedom of, of, of religious exercise, etc. It's because it submits to us. We don't submit to them. However, there is this little principle in the mission statement of the country, the Declaration of Independence, right? Government by the consent of the governed. Everybody here claims to believe in an ultimately sovereign God, right? right. Everybody here? Right? Amen. Amen. Well, then, let, then, then, then be prepared to absorb this truth. If you believe truly in this, in, sincerely in a sovereign God and you are a free people, then you have as much evil and tyranny as you are willing to comply with, right. as you are willing to consent with, and not one ounce more or less. You have it because you say right. yes. That's right. That is why. Yep. That's right. Geopology. Hey, Steve, I, do, so, I just want to so, make a comment, so do, if I can. Uh, I mentioned Federalist 46. Uh, the state is the parent and the federal government is the children. And we have turned that around, and now the federal government thinks they're the parent and the state. All the power went to the states. The, 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 the authority of the federal government was very limited in what they could do. And what they have done over the last hundred more years have expanded that authority, and they have taken over, and just what you said, we have sat and remained silent and let them have that authority. And we, the states, have to take that back, stand on the Tenth Amendment. The, the governor, the legislature, needs to tell the federal government, we have those rights and we are going to rule ourselves. You do not have the power to come and tell us what to do. You know, government Cotton, Oregon. Yeah, that's right. How about this? You know, uh, Cotton Mather said, faithfulness begets prosperity and the daughter devours the mother. And we see that's like a universal truth on a number of levels. You see that with states. States beget the federal government. States beget prosperity. And now the federal government's devouring the mother. Um, you see that in your own lives. You see that in your own generations. You see that, you're, you know, maybe God blesses you. And then your kids grow up uh, to devour the mother. Faithfulness begets prosperity. The church, Israel, you see this throughout history in Israel. Israel, generation after generation, you see a faithful generation raise up. And then what happens? Unfaithfulness happens. The daughter devours the mother. And one of the things, as a Christian, we're constantly, um, obviously, sanctifying, learning to die to sin and learning to live to Christ. And as I've kind of looked at this last year and and the things that I didn't know that I should have known. Yeah. yeah. And the things that, uh, you know, know, Daryl, you know, points out. Sheriff Wheeler. (laughs) 
Sheriff. Thank you, Gabe. We Thank are you. in his jurisdiction, Daryl. Yeah. <laughs> but he still carries a gun. Uh, so. You know, <laughs> you know he, he pointed out that the sheriff was the highest you know, authority in the land over the president. And I, did, I sat there and I was like, no, you aren't. Right. <laughs> you know, right. That, that was my reaction. And I got, I got all this junk in my trunk. I was raised in a Christian school and, you know, raised in a Christian family and, you know, Becca, Becca Books kind of situation. And, and here I am, you know, I'm still having to clean up, get all this junk out of my trunk that I've been just kind of absorbed naturally in our culture. And we don't know how much we've been fed, and we don't know how much this, this society's rubbing off on us. Yeah. And that's why it's so important for us to be part of a good church and a part of a good community because, um, you know, osmosis happens. Well, and what you're, what you're getting at is what Pastor Toby talked about in the first session. The tyrants, the reason we have a tyrant problem is because we have a tyrant problem. Right. That's right. And so the things that we don't even know, there's tyrants through ignorance, right? There's our ignorance itself. What did you say? The cruelty... Um, one of the ways to be cruel is to not know what you're doing. Yeah, Proverbs says, uh, yeah, the one who lacks understanding um, is a cruel oppressor. oppressor. Yeah. Tyrant. Yeah. Tyrant. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, and I mercy use the example of... The mercy of the wicked of, is cruel. What's that? The mercy of the wicked is cruel. That's also yeah. true. Yeah. Yes. I was thinking, of the, I gave the example in the talk about just, you know, somebody with a gun. Like, somebody who lacks understanding with yeah. a gun is dangerous. No. Uh, and, Message. And that's, you know, and the, and the you know, we, we've all been given various kinds of guns. You know, the tongue is a flamethrower, James says. Uh, you know, the, you, you have the power of the sword. The magistrate has the sword. Um, if he doesn't know what he's doing, if he doesn't know that his authority was given to him by God, and therefore it's limited by God's word and by the Constitution, then he is a cruel oppressor. But we have him because we, we let him. I think it's, when we're having this discussion, it's important to understand the doctrine of the lesser magistrates, too. Yeah. Because a lot of people say, well, we're just going to rebel. We're going to grab our guns. We're going to succeed or whatever. But it's like you guys haven't even elected, in most cases, a sheriff that can do this. You're, you think Caitlyn Jenner is going to help you? <laughs> like it's Bruce. Like yeah, you don't have Message. yeah, you don't have hey, any sort of Bruce. any it's sort Bruce. of yeah, it's Bruce. You You're, said Caitlin. I apologize, man. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, Apology can I stop? accepted. Can you see, see the junk in the stop truck I'm apologizing. <laughs> he said Caitlin. Seriously? Do you want to go to war? I'm being indoctrinated all I'm over the place. Yeah. Like, I forgot the, the, the guy's name. The, the new scientific lemon test is just to ask people, who won the 1976 Olympic decathlon? Yeah, but that's that's the thing. Like we have GOP leadership standing with Bruce, yeah, Nikki Haley, saying, "I'm so glad because he shares our conservative values." Right, right. Like it's like no, like this is not a conservative value. <laughs> it's not a conservative value. He can't share it. And like, how is? How is someone like Bruce Jenner going to save us from tyranny when she can't even save her Pete. own mental disorder? That's right. So. That's exactly right. I, I, I just got uh, two things I want to throw. First of all, I didn't know that it was okay for white guys to say junk in the trunk. So thanks for having <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I say the same thing. So that it's moment okay. has changed is that, my is life. Is that cultural appropriation? Been stealing from yeah. us for a long time. That, We're used I didn't to know. It. I didn't know it was okay. Um, and, and there is a, I'm, I'm just going to be honest, there's a little bit of, uh, there's a little part of me that when, uh, who was it, Bruce? Bruce Jenner. Bruce Jenner. Yeah. Yeah. 
announced that he was going to run for governor, I was like, ooh, this is going to be kind of fun to watch. Because, <laughs> you know, I'm just being honest here. I'm not saying that I, that I approve of the nomination, but what are they going to do? You know, what, what is the other side going to do? You know, there's something, there's something kind of... They're transphobic. They don't vote for her. Him. <laughs> right. Chuck! <laughs> Oh. Right, California. California is going to demonstrate once and for all whether or not they're they're transphobic. Yeah, yeah. Right? right, and if because if they don't, that's the rule. Right? Yeah. If you don't if you don't elect this guy, then you hate transgender people. That's right. But I'm sorry to burst your bubble here, but the problem is that they don't follow their own rules. That's exactly right. right. Yeah. So and now they can you, change you rules. They rules for you. Yeah, you, you assume they care about rules. They don't. Like it's it's about getting where they want to go. And the rules are going to shift to get there. And that's, and that's kind of like, in a sense, we're at a disadvantage. Our playbook's written 2,000 years ago. You know what I mean? Here's what we do. We Six, love our enemies. Okay. We pray for those who persecute us. And they're just like, shift, 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 shift. And so any debate you have, you realize the goalposts are constantly moving. So yeah. one of the things you have to realize going into the debate and the discussion is they don't care about the rules. And if you're sitting there going, you're a hypocrite. It's like, Psh, who cares? So they're like, uh, Ben Shapiro, <laughs> oh, you know, facts don't care about your feelings. They're like, our feelings don't care about your facts. And they just keep pressing And the minute you think they care about facts, you've lost the debate. Like, and, and so you have to realize you have to change up your whole MO so, so how them. do you how do you win the debate this is this is what, why what? how we live is so vitally important yeah. yes because yes. Nate's because talk. the 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 way we are called to live is dramatically superior to any other way to live on this planet yes and i think yeah. that is the biggest advantage that we have Nate, nate's talk nate's talk i think really presses it's not the logos primary and that's what we focus on and what apologetics has done which is a fine you know i'm engaged in it every day it's a fine thing but when you think if we just have the right apologetic if we just get a christian worldview yeah. and, and and then you realize even people raised with our christian worldview they depart from it and things like that. Yeah. And, and it goes back to story have we really won people's hearts with the story and so nate's talk if you like not to put anybody you know listen to Nate's talk again and rethink that and then how do we live invite people into our homes invite the enemy in have meals and, and just live a better life in the context of the gospel yeah. and invite people to and that, that. And, and with Tony, that go said hold on. go baptize your kids if you have children <laughs> <laughs> don't act like that don't matter well I was going to say with Toby with your talk and you're talking about defining the tyrant inside yourself too and we talked about some of this on the show because I was thinking about that there's this always moving goalpost. there's this our culture doesn't have an absolute truth, so they just it's subjective. It just moves. But where do they get it from? Come and on now. they get Come it on from dads not being dads, and in their homes they're not being That's just. Right. So right. I mean, one of the things I was thinking about, I see all of you out there with kids, and I love it. I love seeing all the little kids yeah. running around. Have more and baptize them. Although I mean, the one family with like what did you have like twenty like eleven over there? Yeah, eleven. Praise it. God! Are they yeah. baptized? <laughs> Go baptize your kids if you have children. He took the fifth. <laughs> you gotta wear that. We can do that. that. We can, anyway, go ahead. But, but the, the point was, and we talked about this on our show before too, is are, are you being a just father in your home and how do you do that? Um, are, you know, when your kids come to you and he shoved me, no, she shoved me, what do you do? Do you automatically go to the kid who usually is the culprit or do you get the full story? And do you show them that? Do you show them equal weights and measures in your home? Do you show them, well, this is why we're doing it? Or I don't have the truth to this, but God knows. And are you leading them every night or as much as you can in, in family worship? Are you telling them where truth comes from? And are you telling them the culture doesn't believe this and you're going to encounter this in the world? Um, but I just think it's important that it has to start at the home. I mean, you know, too many families 
and some of you may, you know, identify with this too. Not self-identify, but you know, identify. Um, <laughs> sorry, it's too late, Tony. <laughs> Just go there. Just go there. We're talking about, you know, we have a poly the trans parrot on our show, so you know. But uh, <laughs> go listen to the show. Um, anyway, but you, there's too many families I think that take their kids to church and expect the church to raise their kids. And that's right. Eight, that's right. Amen. That's what BBS is for, right? I was like, where's my organ? <laughs> I got you. I hit you, bro. There you go. There you go. But I would just, I would encourage you, if you get something from this too, is to, to go home and think about are you being a just father in your home um, and, and work on it. I mean, we, we're not think, perfect. And I think that ties it back into what Steve was saying. Just live a beautiful life. Yeah. Like live, live, the, live the life that Christ called you to live with your family, with your kids, and then in your church, in your community, as you're able, build friendships, build community, practice hospitality, have the best house. But isn't, but isn't think, debates that, what there, change thing? Isn't debates what change minds? Arguing <laughs> with people? I'm kind of facetiously a little bit. We don't debate now. Take it from someone who works in this arena professionally. No debates. We, we, there's no debates. I, I work in this arena professionally, too. Then you should have like Steve didn't keep clued me in that category. <laughs> then you should have known better than to say that, brother. But, <laughs> but the the reality is what we do today is we have trolling and counter trolling and counter trolling of the counter trolling. If indeed the two sides intersect and there's really no winner. We don't even have any East German judge. Each side's me shilling media then just declares, you got owned by the other side. It doesn't That's matter. Right. Yep. Um, it's just name-calling and trolling. There is no real substantive debate going on. I, I, we, everybody says we argue about everything too much. We are not arguing at all, I would argue. And, and take and take what Tony was saying. Like we're, we're, I assume most people here are attempting to do in their homes. And then when you interact with people outside of our culture, realize that's not what's taking place in their homes. Right. So the people coming uh, to you are fatherless people, or even if the dad's there, they're right. de facto fatherless. So you're so even like as I'm doing evangelism on campus, I feel like it's almost more counseling than it is like <laughs> apologetics. I like, see this with Jordan right. Peterson. Right. Watch the Jordan right. Peterson documentary, right. yeah. the rise of Jordan Peterson. And I only knew him as an ideologue. I watched this documentary. The amount of young men waiting in line, they're crying. Yeah. yeah. They're in yeah. tears. No one told them, first of all, wow. to straighten up and fly right, number one but then told them they were meant to do more than this. Mm -hmm. yeah. They right. were meant to be more than this, that these expectations are because of the potential that was put in them by their creator. And to hear, and, and, and I realized that the secret sauce of his success is that there's a generation of young men that in many respects, he is their pastor. Yeah, and he, I remember dad. him he's doing a, an interview once, and he, he talked about encouraging young men. And he's like, they never get any encouragement. You give them basic encouragement. So put me in the context of going on campus, and then I used to think I was like, whatever, Jeremiah going to Israel, and that's not what I am. And, uh, <laughs> and so I would interact with these young men who come up to me and like, take issue with some of the things I was saying. And I realized if I start off saying, hey, thanks for coming to me, the discussion's totally different than, oh, I got to rebuke them and set them straight. It's thanks for coming to me, being a man, coming, and then you can have a totally different discussion. And so in all of our interactions, apologetic, even as people disagree with us in the church, so we leave here, we're kind of a radical minority, so to speak. But within that, when you begin to present what we are doing to other people, I've been in a coffee shop the last three days, interacting with people saying, hey, we're at an arena singing psalms, we're like, tell me more. And so here are Christians reading the Bible, introduce myself, 
I'm here to sing psalms with other people, they're interested in that. And so we have a great opportunity, if we could be gracious and kind and encouraging to other Christians, here's what we're doing, here's why we're doing it. People are drawn to it because think of, we're in Cedar Rapids or Rapid City. You guys are coming from all over the place, wherever we are. What are, what are we, North Dakota? We're, we're in a city. <laughs> we're, we're, we're in America, maybe. We're in one of the Dakotas. <laughs> yeah, we're in one of the Dakotas. And you've come from all over the place because you... And talking to some of you, you don't have a lot of this at home. And, and so, but you realize this is good stuff. And you realize when you serve it up to other people, they're like, oh, yeah, we have been eating McDonald's. This is good stuff. And so it, go forth in, the, in a sense of humble, but yet excited about what we're doing. Because there's a lot of good stuff here that people will latch on to because, it, because ultimately it's true. It's beauty. It's good. I, so. Go, John. Well, I, was just, I don't want to disagree, but you're totally wrong. <laughs> Um, no, you're not. I'm just gonna, I told you. I, I, I'm just kidding. I've yet to be wrong, so go ahead. Give it a shot. <laughs> no, you're not wrong. And, and I also kind of want to piggyback on what Steve was saying, that I, I've spent a lot of time um, talking, arguing. I thought I was debating, but I'm not. I'm just arguing. With, with people who claim to be uh, non-believers, you know, and people, people won't identify as, as atheists anymore. They've kind of fallen out of vogue. It was cool for a while to be atheists. Now... They're non-believers, and so they identify as people who have no beliefs. And uh, Except that one. They have no beliefs, is what they're telling <laughs> me. And so when you, when you push back at those people, um, and, and a lot of them are ex-Christians. They identify as, as ex-Christians. I used to be a believer. I used to be a pastor in a church. For 25 years, I was a pastor in a church. And then I realized that it was all a sham. It was all a lie. And so my conversations with those people are, okay, you've been enlightened now. You've seen the light. So where are you now? I mean, you've walked away from Christianity. You've abandoned that lie. So where are you now? And you know what they say? They can't answer that question. Um, and I think that's the reason that Facebook and Twitter and social media and everything is so toxic. Because you've got a bunch of people who are completely passionate. They're all worked up about the, uh, the state of the world but they have literally no place to stand. They have no beliefs, um, and yet they're all fired up. You know Louis C.K.? Louis C.K.? He has a, if you get a chance, when he's on, I think, Conan O'Brien's show, and he's talking about how we're always on our phone, and I think this is even part of social media, he's talking about how, like, no one can sit still for a minute, and they always have to hop on their phone, because the minute you're quiet, for something inside of you begins to, uh, begins to come up. What, what, what are you I saying, Keith? Uh, what's that? What are you saying? <laughs> so, so, so check out Louis C.K. on it because it, it's almost like prophetic to these people because it, cause it's, it's, yeah, why do people rage on social media? It's just a distraction because, like, the minute they're quiet, it gnaws at you. And the people who have left right. the faith just hop, pop on ex-evangelicals or whatever they call themselves on Twitter. And, like, the raging that takes place, like, there is no, there is no satisfaction when, they, when they've left it. They act like they're peaceful and they're free. And you they're listen not. to them, you're like, man, you're not even close. You're, like, Joshua Harris, if you know who he is, oh, yeah. go to, just go to his Instagram. It's the most depressing thing, and he's trying to convince you he's free and happy now. Mm. And everything he does, just like, it's, it's like, it's wicked, but it's also just sad. She's like, man, this is not. And so anytime I'm tempted to leave the faith, I'm like, oh, Joshua Harris? Oh, I'm not going anywhere. Because <laughs> 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 the alternative is death. Yeah. The alternative is yeah. death. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so why go there? So, yeah. well, well, I think it's, you know, when we talk about. Not that I'm really tempted yeah. to leave the faith. <laughs> <laughs> when we're talking about. Um, hey, what are you one of those shirts? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, here you go. It's just for you. Open it up. Oh. <laughs> no, not, not, I'm not saying that his stuff sucks. But uh, no, this, here we go. 
So Christian movies shouldn't suck. There you go. I got that for you, by the way. So that's for more. That's our model. There you go. Uh, that's what we're doing. But uh, what I wanted to mention was when we're talking about debating and evidence and all this stuff, we are past the point in our culture that we can debate evidence. If this doesn't prove presuppositionalism true, like there's nothing that, that, that right. can prove presuppositionalism true. It's not just apologetics for defending God. It's presuppositional politics. Mm. What is the basis... I mean, you can't, you can't even convince people who believe, who, you can't even convince people who are against abortion that a woman who has had an abortion is a murderer. Like, you can't even get that far with people. And they believe the same evidence, right? So this, this is the sort of thing, you're like, well, you talk about, like, election and everybody's doing all this election evidence and this election evidence and this election evidence, and they just counter with counter with counter. And I, you know, I was talking to somebody, I was like, yeah, but they papered the windows, like, isn't that enough to at least go, maybe something is crazy here, <laughs> right? Like, like just if something. I, yeah, just something. Like, like if, I gave, if, I, if I gave my wife my phone, but I didn't tell her the password to the phone to unlock it, you'd go, yeah, something's going on, right? So, so and, you know, I, I told that to somebody, and they go, well, yeah, well, the press was a distraction, right? So, they, so the evidence... Constant dissembling, basically. Yeah, right, right, right. Like, so it's like evidence... And then your evidence, all evidence has to be interpreted. And this is why we can't, like, these people, they're talking about, well, we're just going to succeed. We're going to, Texas, we're going to succeed or whatever. It's like, I always go, yeah, but okay, so if you succeed, who's going to build the roads? Right? Because then then they they sound like a liberal again. Right? It's like, well, I don't want to live in that country. Like, I don't want to live in that nation where your, 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 your model for government is just less liberal. Right? It's like, well, it's, 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 it's Bruce Jenner conservatism. I don't want to live in a succeeded nation like that either. Right? So this is why we have to have a foundation and a philosophy for our politics that is outside of evidence and weighing matters like a CNN de- debate. So who was it that said that we need to start back with the basics again? Like, you're, you're right. So I was thinking about it, the flip side of that is when you have somebody that gets evidence or gets truth and they realize it's truth, they don't even know what to do with it anymore. Like, I, I will, we'll get messages to the page, and this isn't making fun of anybody, but I'm just, as an illustration, you'll have a young guy that's 25, 26, message our page and say, uh, I, I realize I need to become a man, I, I realize I need to stand up and do something, get a family, uh, but I live at home with my mom in the basement, I don't have a job, what do I do? Yeah. Right. And right. it's like... I mean, get a job I have to take, your mom's house. I have to take, <laughs> yeah, yes. like I have yeah. to take a moment because I, I don't want to come off like a jerk because I appreciate the fact yes. that this guy's gotten to the point where he's realized, That's hard man, I'm messed up. But then, you know, you're like, what, what else do I say? Except well, I mean, if I hear get from, a job, move out. <laughs> if I hear from one more bro dude, we're, uh, cries of secession as he masks his kid up to go to Costco. I think right. I can in my mouth. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> right. Come on now. Homeboy, come on now, brother. Okay, you won't step into Rite Aid, all right, without a mask, a Chinese face diaper. And, and you're Jefferson Davis. Come on, brother. Come on. <laughs> but I, I, I do think, though, and I, I don't want to be a, a broken record. Here, here's no, what please. I've seen. Here's what I've seen, but I do repeat myself a lot because I don't have a lot of ideas. But what, what, here's what I've seen work in our, with our show, and especially within the last year. Because the number one topic that I get emailed about, other than you suck, which happens a lot. But, you too. 
the, the number one. Knox is also in the business. Is that, but is that just really professional critique or is it just, never mind. <laughs> but, um, the number one topic I get emailed about is people who feel as if our show is giving them intellectual permission to believe this might be true. Mm. Meaning that uh, uh, years ago um, when uh, Pat Buchanan got fired from MSNBC as their token conservative commentator, they were interviewing people, and I was one of them. And they flew me out to New York City and 30 Rock out there to interview with them. And I go into an interview with their female executive producer who was really nice. And, hey, listen, I thought growing up in Dave Dace's house, I thought the F-bomb was like my middle name until I was at least 11 years old, okay? <laughs> so, I mean, it wasn't like I hadn't heard it a few times. But to hear it just said over and over again in a professional interview setting yeah. really just threw me off because I, I am still from Iowa, you know? Um, <laughs> But in the middle of the interview, she goes, you're here. And I'd been on their channel probably 20, 30 times in the last year, various appearances. And she said, you're here because you're the first person I've ever met in this industry that has made me think you could be smart and believe what you believe. Mm. Imagine and how low the bar is. I know. I know. <laughs> I told her that. You need to get out more. That's why I didn't get the job. But, but she goes, when, when it got to the point when you would come on our panels Everybody in our truck stops and watches mm. to see what you're going to say. Basically, she's telling me we caught one of these in their natural habitat. <laughs> <Let's observe. laughs> right? <sighs> but what, what I'm seeing with our audience and how they're responding, it's the sincerity that we express our strengths and our weaknesses. I talk, now I don't violate confidences in our home, but short of that, I talk openly about struggles we have, marriage, family life, weaknesses I have. Um, and I do that because I want people to see two things. One, I'm not your new hero mm -hmm. because the previous generation of them uh, disappointed you. You know, uh, the parting on the left is now the parting on the right, and their beards have all grown longer overnight. Don't make me the new one. Yeah. You'll get fooled again. I'm not your new hero, number one, Amen. okay? But, but number two is I want them to see that this is not unobtainable to them. It's not inaccessible to them. That if this could save even a wretch like me, mm. it can do the same to you. The bitterness that you guys are talking about, I believe, as someone who spent the first 30 years of my life as an unbeliever, I believe that bitterness is, and we know ultimately it's total depravity. These are sinners. They don't want to repent. That's right. why we need God's grace, right? right? But how does that individually work itself out in every heart and mind? I think a lot of it is resentment. I can't live up to this standard. You're right, you can't. I cannot be what I really claim I believe to be. You're right, you can't. You can't do any of those things. And that's the paradox of all of this. It's what Christ has already done mm. for us and then promises to do through us, not what we Amen. necessarily do for him. Mm. And I think, that's, mm. and that's, I think right. that's what's missing from a lot of this equation. Yeah. And I, and, and I think, you know, those of you that have, the, 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 somebody's in this, you know, struggling with singleness, and I'm not a believer, and you know, how come I get dumped, or this or that, and you've got this perfect marriage and all these kids, let them know you don't have this perfect marriage with all these kids. It's hard raising all these kids. We have a good marriage. It is not a perfect marriage. Let people in to your life would be my encouragement to you. I think the thing to add to that is I think you're exactly right. And what and and that needs to be plugged right into and that's how things change. Mm -hmm. 
it's it's not it's the right. the despair and the bitterness is what's driving the anarchy. It's what's driving the burn it all down yes. um, stuff. And it's not going anywhere, Toby. It, it's just nihilism. Exactly. It would be one thing to what you just said if there was a point to it. Right. If it was to usher in, you know, an Islamic kingdom or no. or some secular utopia, it's just nihilistic anger. It has right. no point to it. But when you recognize you don't meet the standard. Jesus met the standard uh -huh. for you, and he died and rose again for you and gave you his spirit so that he might work through you. Um, that's, that's where you are on solid ground. Mm. That's the only solid ground that exists in this world. Um, yeah. But if you stand on that solid ground, you can actually have a good marriage. You can actually have Amen. a faithful family. You in can spite have, of ourselves. In spite of ourselves. And it, and it never adds up. I mean, the whole, the, the whole plan... The whole plan is that God is going to display His grace on a on a grand scale. The plan is not going to be, man, look at you know Toby, he was such a great guy, or look at you know Gabe, he was such a wise guy, or Steve, he was such a great good, you know good guy with work. No, that's not the plan. The plan is that every every knee is going to bow and every tongue is confess Christ is Lord, and He did it all. Amen. Come on, now. Amen. and it's and it's clear. It's, it's, I, I think in terms of the last 40 years, because I'm 41 years old and that's what I know of, and it's, it's, it's clear that we've been building our house on sand for the last 40 years. If anything that the COVID has shown us is that we've been building it on sand and a little wave came and it took our foundation away yeah, from the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of the things that, you know, Paul says in uh, Philippians chapter one, he says, I pray that you grow in love and in knowledge and all discernment. And the church in the last 40 years has just focused on the love and the feelings that we've been talking about. That the church has just grown in all these feelings of what makes me feel good and what makes me feel right. That's, that's, the, that's the sand. That's the sandy foundation that we've been growing this last 40 years. And this is why, for me, when I, went, when I moved to Moscow in 2002, I was um, some sort of, uh, you know, evangelical with a little bit of Presbyterian knowledge because I grew up in the Presbyterian church. But when I started singing psalms at Christ Church, like, God started dealing with my feelings. Yeah. Like, God started, I, I, I was going to evangelical church in California, you know, and I was, I was getting into that mindset where I went to church to feed my feelings. And then I go and I start singing psalms in church, and I start um, uh, hearing all the, or singing all these hard verses mm -hmm. in the Bible. All of a sudden, that, that really, what that does is that aligns your feelings with God. Mm -hmm. That, that mm -hmm. takes your feelings and... And it gets, it gets rid of the bad feelings, the negative feelings, and it gets rid of the, 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 the feel-good feelings that you're looking for. And then you start singing the true word of God to him. And all of a sudden, the, the hard verses, you have to, you have to change. Yeah. You, you have to grow up in, in, in maturity. And to sing, you know, one of the uh, limit, lit, litmus tests I have when I go to a church, uh, you know, if, if this church can't sing Psalm 137... Um, which a lot of churches couldn't, it, you know, it ends with David asking God to crush his enemy's children on the rocks. That's a hard psalm. Yeah. You know, what, if you go next Sunday, you go that's to your church. That's not the New Testament though, so that's how they get out of it's that. Old, it's Old Testament. <laughs> but if you go to your church and you say, hey guys, let's sing Psalm 137. What do you think your leadership would say? You know, and that, um, uh, you know. They say maybe if we could do the NIV. The, <laughs> no, the, message. Going to the message, the message Bible or the gender-neutral version. Hey, Gabe, 
can, let me ask a question. This goes along with what you're saying. How many people here, this is the loudest you ever heard people sing psalms? Okay, one more question. How many people here, this is the loudest you ever heard men sing? That tells you about how much the Western church loves the gospel. Mm. So I want to, I want to, I'm sorry, Pastor. I'll give you, I'll give you 30 seconds. Only 30. That's it. I just want to point out that everything we're talking about. So go back to the gospel that, that Steve just preached. Um, that drives men in particular to lead families well, uh, to love their wives well, and drives wives to respect their husbands well, to raise immortal souls together, to live lives that are full and fruitful and glad on the solid rock of Christ. Okay, connect that now, okay? That life, that glad life, that good life is the one that stands up when who was it? The Forest Service? The EPA? Who was coming in? The U.S. Forest Service says, we're coming to take your land. And, and you stand there calmly and cheerfully, and you say, no, you're not. <laughs> I got a truck. I have a truck <laughs> with chains. Yeah, with chains. With Lots chains. chains. Um, and I'll pull your fence down. I will not be asking you permission to enter the jurisdiction that God has given me. Okay? Don't miss that. So when we talk about building these kind of families, these kind of communities, these kind of businesses, this is the only way that Christians defy tyrants. Amen. Okay, Amen. We, we, we don't have another way. This is the way. It's, it's, it's this kind of gospel-centered, um, grace-filled backbone. Mm-hmm. And, and it goes back to what Pastor Doug was talking about last night. Um, and it's driven by the fact that you love the goodness of God. Amen. And because you love the goodness of God and you love what he's given you in your marriage and in your, in your family and in your church and in your community, you will not stand by and let someone take that away from you. Come on now, you're, you're going to hate that wickedness that right. wants to steal that freedom, that goodness, that grace away from you. Amen. Amen. Okay, so there's... Yeah, that's right. I even... Um, so... As we're wrapping this up, I want to kind of end in two different areas here. So one of the things I want to end on is, um, and this will be the second thing, I want to end on um, the decrees of God are his eternal purpose according to the counsel of his will, whereby for his own glory he has foreordained everything that comes to pass. So we are not here by accident, okay? God has foreordained this very moment with this very people and so in this time, so I want to ask the question, I want you guys to start thinking about this right now. What is God doing in this moment? And we'll go down with that in a second. But before we do, Sheriff Wheeler, and you guys can jump in on this too. One of the things that I keep talking to my friends about is um, they're very concerned about the Second Amendment right now because they're seeing what's happened with the first and that's gone. So then we're just going all the way up, right? And the question that they're asking is, what do we do? Being that we're singing psalms to defy our tyrants, what do we do, though, if they come for our guns? Do we, if we're going to run the play, if we're going to, if we need to think about this so we're not in the moment stuck, right? We've trained for this. How do we start reacting to that moment when we get the, on the door? Okay, I think there's an unrealistic fear right now to believe that the government's coming after our guns. Then I, let me explain that in this way. You better do it quickly, because. Okay, okay. Very real quickly. What happened, what happened when Biden signed an executive action order to open up the borders in Texas? The next day, a federal lawsuit went to the Federal Court of Appeals, and that was 
canceled so that Texas sent 160,000 troops to the, to the border and stopped them. There's no way that Congress is going to pass a bill that is not going to the, to the, to the federal courts and it finally end up in the state courts. And I've said it before, each state has their own rights and we just need to stand on the 10th Amendment and say, federal government, you can do whatever you want, but we're standing on the Constitution. The Second Amendment guarantees that we have a right to keep and bear arms. Our, our state constitution says we have to do that. So go away. As long as you have a strong governor, you have a strong legislature, and a strong people, they're going to say, go away. You're not taking our guns. But I'm, we don't. I'm, I'm we telling don't. you that I will be at the front porch. But we're not, we're not in your you, county, okay? though. That's the problem. But I, I'm just saying, I don't believe we're to that point yet. Well, but I, if they can get us to put on a mask. The <laughs> but, 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 but if the run is... We're not there, and we're governed by we, the people. We're going to lose our right to bear arms. Like, like, if at the end of the day, our argument is we're the government, and then everybody who votes in America is like, hey, we don't want guns, and we, and our argument initially was we're the people, like, we have to win the people. And so, so I just think it has to be the reality of where we're at. Like, if at the end of the day, the American people are like, take away our rights, like, what do we do at that point? If our initial argument is we, the people, are the government, and then if we, the people, decide no right to bear arms, no free speech, then where do we go? And, and so, so we're still in a, I think we've set ourselves up in a pickle by framing it as we the people, and then, yeah, by the way, government, you need to submit to us. And now at the end of the day, the, we the people are saying, we don't want you to have guns, we don't want you to have free speech, we don't want you to have due process, et cetera. So I, mm. part, of the, that way, part of the answer to that, though, is that it's we the people, but it's also we the people and we the states. That's part of what, what and, Sheriff Wheeler's saying. And, and what I'm saying, the Convention of the States is so dangerous because we have got an overabundance of liberals that will want to take our guns away. And if we say, oh, gosh, we need to have a Convention of the States because we need a balanced budget initiative, a federal, so that we hold Congress accountable. And I say, don't meet. We have the ability every two years to make our federal yes. regi- representatives accountable. Yep. We f- we keep putting these same people in office and accept and expecting different results. So maybe we don't need guns then. <laughs> you know, no, if, if, no, we I, do. I, I mean, we do, no, but we we're don't. acting like we don't. By the way, we vote. Well, it seems like that. We hey. have an, we have that ability every two years. We need to kick these bums out of the office and say, why don't you start protecting our rights and uphold the Constitution? Amen. And, then we're going to see change. Okay. So Steve? I, got, I got some, I got a Steve little bit. Like of push, he might stand up again. I got, I got a little bit of pushback on it, and and I think Marcus will back me up on this too. I want that to happen, and I do think we need to do that, and we do need to vote these people out of office. But in terms of me believing that we wouldn't allow them to come take our guns simply because you know the states, and I do absolutely support state sovereignty on that. That the states should push back, but we won't even do it for babies. Or mask. I mean, let's go back to like human people life. People telling won't do me it. my governor has me here. I, I own guns and my governor has me trapped in my home and I can't leave. Okay. <laughs> that goes to what you're talking about. All right. right. I mean, again, I mean, I, I, this is, a, I mean, folks, you don't have a second amendment now. Mm. You don't live as if it exists now. Come on. Now. Th- think about when was the last time the American citizens appeal to the Second Amendment to stop anything. Hey, you come take our guns, we're going to use them. You, you give us, Bundy may have been the closest, but you got a couple people riding a horse with a couple guns. You drop one little, boop, 
All those Bundy people are done. So the closest thing would be Bundy, but for the most part, what do they give us? They give us the you know, 16th Amendment, and they just keep marching on and on and on. We're like, hey, we got our guns. The Second Amendment is de facto irrelevant because no one's going to use it. And the minute someone uses it, it's like, oh, no, insurrection, they're going to get squashed. So I feel like the Second Amendment is practically useless at this point because at what point? Is it to defend the life of the unborn that we're going to use it? No. Well, not there. Where are we going to use our Second Amendment? At what point, anybody up here are going to say, now I'm going to shoot back? Because right now, if we're aborting babies and no one's shooting because they're killing children, okay, when do you shoot? Now, I'm not advocating shooting, but at the end of the day, we keep talking about we need our Second Amendment, but what government overreach is the final push for anybody up here or anybody out here to say, I'm now going to shoot back? I don't see it happening. I don't see it happening. Yeah, I, I, I think, too, we're, we're sitting here and we're arguing what the Constitution says. They don't care what the Constitution says. They're going to pack the court. They've locked us in our homes. They, 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 they've shut down our churches. Canada's going to become a state. Can, Canada is not that far away from us right now. Like, culture moves quickly across borders, it goes, right? It goes fast. Yeah, but, it goes but you, fast. But you realize like, you, you, you I don't, I'm just all I'm saying is like I've I've argued. I mean, Biden said you know no, there's no no there's no amendment that can't be you know changed. That's what Biden said, right? And so I was like, well, yeah, but that's why they're right. The amendment, the slavery, the amendment, well, that, slavery. Yeah, exactly. that's, not, that's not an absolute. Well, amendment, that's then, exactly I guess. right. But <laughs> what I'm saying is like we have people who don't care about the Constitution, and the one, even the Supreme Court justices that do care about the Constitution, they're going to they're gonna add more judges, they're going to do D.C. statehood, Puerto Rico statehood. Like, wh- I think we're, live, we're, we're, we're living in a different government arguing about our government of the past. Yeah. Like, clinging uh, on to that. We don't say, have that government anymore. Sheriff Wheeler, I'm going to give you the last word before we end. No, end I'm, I'm going to say that when, when the Supreme Court... People believe that they legalized abortion. They didn't. They made a ruling on one case. Thank That's right. you. And the state has the right to 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 restore that. And our legislators are not doing it. So That's we right. need to hold our legislators right. accountable. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. I think that's a ju- All right. Okay. I I think that yeah, all of that is is valid points. But personally. Uh, we had a thing called prohibition a few years ago. You know, it's like you're not alcohol is illegal. Yeah, it's you're okay now though. Um, and alcohol didn't disappear. You know, there was still alcohol. And so there's a there's a point. That's because there's Presbyterians. Well, <laughs> don't lead them Baptists out though. They just don't tell everybody. <laughs> I can't speak to that. Um, but there's a there's a point where where there's a difference between. Um, what's what's legal and then what's reality and you know practically speaking you live okay they outlaw guns and so what are you going to do are you going to march down there because they've outlawed guns now and turn in your guns or when they come and knock on your door are you going to go ah, you got me here they go or are you just going to hide them and uh, and create uh, bathtub guns boating um, accidents 3d yeah, 3D printing. Lots uh, there's, of voting there's a, You know, there's a point where, where you're living in reality, and the, the legal reality is, is not a physical reality. You know? And so at some point, you decide that I'm, I'm going to disobey that law. Uh, I should well, have started this conversation. And this I'm gets, sorry, this I gotta, gets to David's second question. Yeah, thank here. you. Go ahead. Turn it. And, uh, you know, we've, we've, uh, one of the reasons why we've structured the show and the network the way we have is because we want every area of life under the Lordship of Jesus. Yeah. Um, this is one of the yeah. reasons why um, 
you know, we do our wives' Christmas show. That's right. We get our wives on the program, and we eat food, and, and it, we always are amazed that people email us and say, that was my favorite show of the year. Because <laughs> our wives really like, do we yeah, have and to our show wives, up? Our wives are always like, I don't want to come on the show. We they just are beautiful. eat food and talk. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, and, uh, but that's one of the reasons why we've added, you know, um, in the bullpen with Mark Dewey. Yeah, baseball. That's you right. know, that's one of the reasons why. Um, John Brandon's you know, coming on. Yep, and, and uh, you know the comedian next door, and and why we even drink on the show, and why we started a cigar label. You know, we're doing all these kind of angular things that Christians have have not really um, thought about or not taken dominion over. But it's because we want to present the full orbed life of what it means to be a Christian in a world of darkness, what it means to be light in a world of darkness. And all these things are actually kind of sharp objects. Yeah, that's right. God is, you know, wine is a sharp object. You can handle it well, or you can handle it in sin. You know, God's given us this dangerous world, and what we've done as Christians is we've backed away from all this dangerous stuff that God has given us and said, I want to be a safe Christian. Mm. And that's, that's why this, I, I think that's why what, what we're doing on this show is, it, it's large, it's very intentional, of, of what we're doing, you know, being in the business with Steve Dace, you know, <laughs> like Steve Dace is, you know, this is very intentional, but, but the gospel applies to all these areas. And, that, and, and that's why, like, had, this has been such a fun conversation for me, because it's not about debate. It's not about trying to convince my liberal neighbor that, hey, you know, the conservative values are good. You know, don't you want lower taxes? I mean, I ran, I ran as county commissioner, my, 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 you know, in Latok County, the county commissioners for four years in a row voted to raise taxes. So my, my big campaign spiel was like, hey, I'm going to stop raising your taxes. You know, and I couldn't, I couldn't win. Granted, I got, I got arrested during my election. This makes really? Hard. <laughs> Never I, heard. I couldn't convince. Never I couldn't heard you were a man ahead of, to, ahead of your time. That's, that's right. What that's right. <laughs> Try running again. I, yes. I couldn't convince. <laughs> A county full of people who've had their taxes raised four years in a row to vote for me. This is not about a debate. This is about what the Lordship of Christ means to your family and how that works its way out into the world. Yeah. I love you know, I'm so thankful for my community, for my church, for my family, for what God's doing in, in my life and, and for you know things like this rally. Because this is this is where the world changes. I read this article a long time ago. Um, in Table Talk, where the quote is, uh, 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 everyone wants to, all, all, the, all these guys, they want to slay dragons, but no man wants to change the diapers at home. Mm. And the hardest thing for Christians to do is to raise kids through, you know, K, K through graduation. Yes. That's not sexy. That's not fun. That's not, you, you can't, you can't, have, there's no trophy you can put on the wall next year after hunting, after a hunting trip. Yeah. You know, but, but the most important thing we should be doing is be building culture in our family and in our churches. That's how you win the argument. Amen. Marcus, 30 seconds. What is What do you see right now from your perspective of what you do that God's doing through all of this right now? I think God is making it insanely clear where the good churches are. Like, and, and also making oh, us realize, I mean, I think, I think Joe Boo was saying like there's maybe five or six churches in all of Canada that's coming to his defense in all of Canada and then in America you know there's there's very few I, that I can think of off the top of my head that I know of are you know f- you know founders yeah. there's apologia there's uh, cross politic and there's several little little other ones and I mean I meant uh, Doug's church uh, 
the Christ church. Christ church. Christ church. Christ church. Ah, sorry, I just moved Your there. church. So I was trying to figure Your out yeah. church. My, my church, yeah. That's right. Cross politics is not a church. <laughs> You don't want me as your pastor. Let me tell you that right yeah. now. So anyway, all that to say is, 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 is it's getting, it's making the church. I actually think the church is now stronger than ever. Amen. Like, Amen. Uh, I think it's like, oh, good. Like, we, 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 we know who the good guys and the bad guys are. It's very clear now. Amen. So I'm going to cut you off. Good 30 seconds. Keith, go. 30 seconds. To be honest, not a clue. I'm, we're still too, I'm still too close up to it to get stepped back and see what the picture is. Um, for a person who has been kind of unable to do his occupation for the past year of his life because campuses are essentially closed. Um, it's hard for me not to view it as some sort of judgment of the famine of God's word in the land. Mm. Um, on the bright side, um, I do think even something like this indicates people are hungry for the word of God. And I always think of a sermon by Martin Luther. Uh, it was, I think it was March 10th in 1522. And he basically like, people are frustrated at the pace of the Reformation and they want to start, his disciples want to start taking people out of the, the mass by force. And he says, we can get no further than their ears. All we can do is preach the gospel. And so he devoted himself to preaching the gospel, publishing the gospel, and then stepping back and drinking beer at Wittenberg with Melanchthon. Mm. And what we need to do, what everybody in here needs to be persuaded of doing and go to your churches and ask your pastor for this is please preach the word of God in its fullness mm. and let's go have a beer. And then while we do that, Melanch or, uh, Luther said, God, weaken the papacy. So we, we'll weaken the federal tyranny. We'll weaken the beast by our patient endurance and suffering. All through the book of Revelation, they're patiently enduring under the beasts. And there are several beasts they're fighting. And it's the word of God, the witness, and the testimony they have. And so I have to go back to that. Like, it's basics for me. It's evangelism, evangelism, telling people about Jesus. And the more I talk about Jesus, the more I love Jesus, the more I want to serve him and invite people into that. And the more I interact with the world, man, they're hungry. I talk to people on campuses who are like, I have not had a 20-minute conversation with somebody in I can't remember how long, and I spent my life looking at pornography. Like, that person's already dead. And we get the opportunity to invite them into fellowship with us. Not only fellowship with us, but our fellowship is with the Father and the Son, according to First John. So be persuaded of that and go out and start telling people that, inviting people in to that fellowship. And if you don't have that, seek it out with people. And what you'll find is start to talk about it and people will be like, yes, I want that, I want that, I want that. And so I'm so too close to really understand what the Lord's doing historically right now. But that's the right uh, things to be doing, though. Yeah. I'm shutting you off. You're done. Thank okay. you, sir. But, but yeah. So, 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 right along. Yeah. So 30 seconds. I'll give you 30 that minutes. That wasn't 30. Yeah, that, that's okay. All right. Tony, go ahead. What is God doing right now? So, actually, I'll ask you to do this. Gentlemen, look at your wives. Okay. All of you look at your kids. This past year should make you understand you can't lose sight of that in a big way. So if I can say anything to remind you of something that I've learned in the past year and taught other people is when you, and I'm going to get some of you guys in trouble, so whatever. When you go back to your hotel rooms tonight, if you don't already do family worship, start tonight. Just get out your Bible, read a passage, teach it to your kids, sing your psalms, and pray with your kids. That's good. That's good. Thank you for keeping the clock, my brother. John, say something funny. What do I think God's oh, no, doing? See my time to him. No. I think God is raising up Steve Dace as our new hero. <laughs> I couldn't agree more, actually. <laughs> uh, I think God is toppling idols. I think if you look out in culture, um, celebrities, uh, sports figures, politicians, all of the people that we have 
that I have been guilty of looking to for the solution. You know, if we can get this person in office, if, if this person would just mm. use their platform to speak truth, that would make a difference. And I think God has just leveled all of that. And, uh, and kind of like what Tony says, it's, it's about the family. The, the, uh, the only hope we have is Christ. Mm-hmm. And the only people that we can really talk to are the people that are close to us, our family and our friends. We don't have any influence in the culture. And so we use the influence that God has given us and, uh, and be faithful with that little bit. Amen. And because he's, he's shaking everything else up. Dave, you've already spoke, so you were done. Steve? I would say, number one, there's more of a market for truth than you think. Yeah. Uh, our show has seen explosive growth in the last year. There's more, and that's good news. There's more of a market for truth than you think. Take advantage of that, number one. And then number two, let let more people into your life. Um, Steve, Steve let me in his life. It was pretty good. <laughs> Don't let him into your life. <laughs> He'll make you do a podcast. Let everybody other than Cade into your life. He doesn't get out. He doesn't leave you alone. Yeah. Okay? No, but seriously, let let people in. Amen. Let them see you work out your salvation with fear and trembling Amen. in real time. Let them see through you that this is accessible to them. Amen. Amen. Praise, praise, praise God. Um, Sheriff Wheeler, I'm interested to see what is God doing right now. I want to tell you, I, I have seen God's providence, sovereignty, and his power that he is ruling on this earth he's going to continue to rule on this earth and we have seen a demonstration of that as the, the church is growing and i want to want to agree with my brother down at the end that our church was only missed three weeks because we were kicked out of the senior center we met in background in backyards and fields and houses mm. and we have not missed a sunday mm. since they Christ walked down God. the state Too. I it never it. gets old. I, I'm like so Presbyterian. I'm, I, I'm okay. I'm, I'm your charismatic to your Presbyterian. How about that? You know, actually, when you when you asked the question, you gave us a heads up, which I appreciate. You quoted from the Westminster Confession, yeah. the Shorter Catechism, on the sovereignty of God, yeah. ordaining whatsoever comes to pass. And uh, I just think about this moment and think, what a crazy. Uh, God we serve who ordained this moment in the history of the world that hundreds of people would gather in Rapid City, South Dakota because they want to love God and sing psalms and defy tyrants I don't know what God's doing with this but I would say I'm, I am fully confident that the God who planned this crazy thing has good things for all of us Amen Amen, Amen. Amen.